Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. First Peter says that the word of God is alive. It's, it's living. Every word is, is alive. It's, it's on assignment to reach you today. John chapter 8 says that the hearing of the word, that the hearing of the truth sets us free. So whether it's the first message that you've had, that you've heard or the 1000th message that you've heard in your life, here's what I know. The word of God, Jesus is on an assignment to reach your life, to touch your life today. And so uh, the other day I had an epiphany. I was, I was watching this movie about Steve Jobs uh, and, uh, you know, the founder of Apple, you know him, you know who I'm talking about. And, uh, and I was watching this movie and, and Steve Jobs surprisingly had all of these ups and downs and he had success and wealth and then he would go bankrupt and have a lot of sales and then he got fired. And like, uh, the writers of this movie are really wanting to sell you on this idea. Like what's going to happen with Steve Jobs? And, and even in the ups and downs and twists and turns in this movie, there was never a moment where I was concerned about Steve Jobs. You want to know why? Because I was watching the movie on the Apple iPhone. You know, the one that he created. So like the writers of this movie were not convincing me. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he did okay. And and, and the reason why I wasn't concerned is because I was watching it on the device that he designed. And so the thing that I was holding in my hand was a spoiler alert to the end of the movie that uh, actually I think this guy is going to be okay. And uh, I just want you to know today that you are the device that God has designed. And the fact that you are here is a spoiler alert to the people around you, to the enemy and to heaven that you're going to make it. The fact that there's breath in your lungs, the fact that you're here is an indication. Come on, if you don't quit, you win. Jesus has never failed anybody. He's not going to start with you. And so with all that said, who's ready for the word? Come on, I'm going to jump in. Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be. We've been in this series called Church Unleashed for the last couple of years. And uh, I'm wrapping it up today. Um, And we've talked about how a church unleashed is a church um, that is not passive. We've talked about how a church unleashed is a church of generosity, a church of evangelism. And today I'm going to talk about this thought that a church unleashed should be a church of pursuit. As you know, you and I were not designed just to be saved, not just to meet Jesus one day and call it quits. We were designed, we were created, we were made to pursue Jesus consistently, passionately, uh, and and, uh, constantly be pursuing who he is. And we're going to be looking at the pursuit of a man by the name of Zacchaeus today. Now, if you grew up in church, you know Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up on a sycamore tree to what? To see what he could see, which is just profound and powerful lyric writing to me, if if you ask me. But we're going to go a little bit deeper into the life of Zacchaeus. If you're in Luke chapter 19, say, yup. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. If the Bible calls you rich, you is rich, rich. He is rich. And, and he sought to see who Jesus was. It's like, let it be said of me, God. He sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd. For he was short 
in stature. So, everyone say so. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus. And he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to pass, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must stay at your house. Today I'm going to preach to you a message entitled Short Changed because it's about a short guy that got changed. No, okay, no, okay. We'll mark that out. We're not going to do that for the one o'clock. I think every person in this place can relate to Zacchaeus though because there are things that hinder you from pursuing your creator. There, there are things that are standing in between you and encounter with Jesus. You ever felt shortchanged in life? Like, I don't have what they have. I've been shortchanged. I, I don't have the discipline that they have. I don't have the resources that they have. I didn't grow up in a Christian home like they grew up in. I didn't grow up in the church world, so I feel behind. I feel like in my pursuit of God, in my pursuit of godliness, in my pursuit of Jesus, I have been shortchanged. I have, I'm at a disadvantage and. uh and Zacchaeus has this problem. We see in verse 3 that Zacchaeus was short in stature, so he could not see over the crowd. But So he has this problem. Today, I don't want to talk about the problem that Zacchaeus had. I want to talk about Zacchaeus' response to his problem. Did you know that you and I, our story is not going to be defined by our problems or our issues that life hands us? Our life is going to be defined by our response to those issues. And so I want to look at the way that Zacchaeus responded here in this text. Um, The Bible says Zacchaeus was short in stature, so he ran. Number one, a church unleashed is a church that is willing to run. Zacchaeus was short in stature, so he ran. I remember it was the most important day of my life. Sixth grade basketball tryouts. And uh, I'm not a great basketball player now. I was really bad back then. My handles were ugly. My jump shot, ugly. I was ugly. And, and I, like I was at a disadvantage. I was shortchanged. I was short. Literally, I weighed 25 pounds in sixth grade. It was tragic. And, and um, it, it, other people were more athletic than me, but I loved to play basketball. And so I was at the tryout, and I remember we were running baseline to baseline uh, at, at tryouts. And I remember there was this magic moment where I ran back. I touched the baseline. I looked up, and I saw the coach walking on the other baseline. I don't remember his name, but I hope he's doing well. But it was a magical moment. He was crossing the baseline, and I was like, if I'm going to make the team, now is the time. And I began to run like I have never ran before. I began to sprint like I had never sprunt before. And, and I lock eyes with him, and he locks eyes with me. This magic moment, and I'm running, and, I, and it's the type of run where your face looks ugly, and there's like spit coming out of your mouth. I was running as fast as I could, and he saw me, and I saw him pick up his pen and write something down on a page. And I don't know for sure, but I am 99% sure that that was the moment that I made the basketball team. I mean, no, like, I don't want you to be intimidated, but I played sixth grade basketball. And so, in every single game that season, I started left bench. Again, I'm not trying to brag or anything like that, but... Listen, I couldn't do anything about the fact that I was athletic or that I was unathletic. 
but whether I hustled or not was 100% up to me. And Zacchaeus had this reality. Zacchaeus couldn't do anything about the fact that he was shortchanged. He couldn't do anything about the fact that he was short in stature. But the other side of the sentence is 100% up to Zacchaeus. When it says he was short in stature, so he ran. And I wonder sometimes if we were inserted into the narrative, if we were placed in this, and the Bible talks about our short change and our response, how would the story have ended? He was short in stature, so he ran. Wasn't Zacchaeus' fault that he was short and it's not your fault that you were laid off? And it's not your fault that you were backstabbed, that you were wounded, that they walked out on you. And it's not your fault that your parents did not raise you the way they were supposed to raise you as God designed them to raise you. It is not your fault what has been handed to you. You cannot control the first part of the sentence, the first start of the part of the story. But what is on the other side of your so? He was short in stature, so he, what's on the other side of your so? Can you imagine if it would have said Zacchaeus was short in stature, so he complained? I would venture to say that we wouldn't know his name today. He would just be one of the crowd. What if it said he was short in stature, so he cried, he moped, posted about it on Facebook. Moms of Allen, he jumps on there. He's just like, the crowd was too big. He, Zacchaeus was short in stature, so... He ran, will you be one that blends in with the crowd, complains about the fact that you're short in stature, or will you just make up your mind, I'm going to run ahead and get a better view of Jesus? If you complain, you remain. And we've got to learn to kill our excuses before our excuses kill us. I think about this like in the Old Testament. I think about a man by the name of Moses. And Moses is having this conversation with God. And God says, hey, listen, Moses, I've called you to deliver the people of Israel. And then what does Moses release? An excuse. Hey, God, I've been shortchanged. I don't know if you know my background, but I can't speak really good. I've got this stutter. I'm not like an eloquent speech. So you're trying to get me to lead millions of people. You got the wrong guy. What's he doing? He's making an excuse. And it's heavy. But I remember reading this and realizing that if Moses stays in his excuse, then there's no exodus. And if Zacchaeus stays in his excuse, then there's no encounter. And I wonder who is waiting for you to run away from the crowd to see Jesus. Zacchaeus was short in stature, so he ran. I want to tell you that the enemy might be able to steal some things from your life, but what the, the enemy's tried to steal some stuff from me, but one thing he's never been able to rob me from is my pursuit. He's never been able to rob me of my pursuit. Like you can put me in, put a crowd around me, release chaos in my life. You can try to rob me of my, I'm telling you right now, you cannot steal my pursuit. The devil can't take that from you. He was short in stature, so he ran. I like Zacchaeus. I like that he didn't even consult anybody in the crowd before he started running. Like the logical response to this is to like bump the person in front of you and say, hey, I'm a lot shorter than you. Do you mind if I just like kind of go to the front so I can see this Jesus guy? But Zacchaeus is like, nah, I'm not dependent on the crowd around me. I'm here to see Jesus, I'm not dependent on them. And I think so many times the reason why you and I don't encounter Jesus is not because he's not in the room, but because we're consulting people 
that don't have freedom. You know, when, if you're seeking breakthrough, stop consulting people that don't have breakthrough. I wonder what they would think if I worshiped. I wonder what they would think if I pursued. It's kind of like the dude that's on Instagram and he's telling you how to get rich and you know that he's broke. And he's telling you that you can get rich by accumulating credit card points. And it's just like, if, if he doesn't have money, if he is like, then I'm not going to consult him about my finances. And I'm not going to consult people who are not free about how I can get freedom. I'm not going to consult people who are not healed on how I can get healing. I'm not consulting the crowd. I'm going to run. My dad cut my hair from like a young age to like 17. Let's just make this a therapy session. And uh, my dad's good at a lot of things, man. Bad at cutting hair. And uh, in fact, I've got a picture for you guys just to give you a display of <laughs> what I looked like. Guys, this was picture day. This was the best I had to offer. Also, I don't know what the cameraman was doing, but I look terrified. Like, smile, fix your hair. Why didn't I fix the cowlick? I don't know. But basically, I'm just saying, the reason why I got these results, let's just take a minute to appreciate. You can take it down. The reason why I got those results was because I brought scissors consulted a person that did not specialize in what I was seeking. And I ended up looking kind of ugly because I brought scissors to the wrong people. And when you consult the wrong people concerning your soul, your soul will end up ugly. (laughs) That's a little heavy. Let me back up a little bit. All I'm saying is we were not called to consult. I wonder what they would think if I, I wonder what they would think if I shouted. I wonder, I wonder what they would think. Listen, if they're not free, then I'm not consulting them. See, the devil can put the crowd around you, but the reality is you've got to get to a place where you say, I don't care if nobody is worshiping Jesus. I'm going to see him today. I don't care what the crowd, I don't care if anyone's shouting, no one's talking back, no one's standing up, no one's worshiping, no one's pressing in, no one's going to the altar. No, I don't care what anyone around me is doing. I am on a mission today, on this Sunday, to see Jesus because I need a breakthrough in my life. Zacchaeus was short in stature, so, everyone say it again, say so, so he ran. I want to do what Hebrews chapter 12 says, let us therefore run the race that is set before us with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So Zacchaeus is running. He's running. This is Zacchaeus unleashed. He's running. He's sprinting. He's, he's running like Usain Bolt. He's going for it. He's, and, and as he's running, nothing changes. And he runs for a while, and he still can't see over the crowd. He still can't see Jesus. And so he looks forward and it seems like there's no end in sight to this crowd. And so even though he's running and pursuing, he's not seeing Jesus. And then he sees this tree. And instead of continuing to run, Zacchaeus decides to climb. Because if the way I was pursuing before didn't work, I turn up the level of my pursuit. 
Many people, if they ever escape the monotony of the crowd and begin to run, they get discouraged when you don't see Jesus right away. You're like, man, I lifted my hands and I pursued and I went to the altar at church conference and I was there for revival night and I didn't have breakthrough. And, and, and if you have not had breakthrough, that is not an indication to stop running or stop. It's an indication I need to press in and turn up the level of my pursuit. God says this, if you seek me, you'll be found by me. If you seek me, you'll be found by me. So Zacchaeus says, running's not working. I'm going to climb. And here's number two, a church unleashed is a church that is willing to climb. A church unleashed is a church that is willing to climb. And I need you all to appreciate deeply this illustration because it cost me $72 and, um, If you work at Home Depot and you can process returns, please meet me after the service. But I'm just kidding. It's the church's ladder. Chill out. It's okay. Zacchaeus was short in stature, so he begins to run. And then he begins to climb. What did Zacchaeus climb? A tree, not a ladder. I don't think they had them back then. Maybe. I don't know. He was short in stature, so he began to climb a tree. Where did the tree come from? The ground. Where did the ground come from? Ground, God, that's right, that's the right answer, that's the answer we're looking for. I remember my mom, she, we'd be in a, you know, after church on Sunday, she'd be like, what was Sunday school about? And every time, Moses, Jesus, boom, mic drop, like right answer every time. So the tree came from the ground, the ground came from God, and I know it's something small, it seems not profound, it seems not complex, but I remember reading this and having the reality that encouraged me that God created the heavens and the earth, he created rivers and mountains and valleys and galaxies, he created the sun and the moon and people and animals and trees. So the reason why there was a tree there for Zacchaeus to climb was because God put it there. God didn't put it a mile further. He put it right there. You're like, ah, that's kind of a stretch. God's not really into the details like that. Did you know he knows every single hair on your head? So the reason why there was a tree right there where Zacchaeus needed it to be was because God put it there. Why am I saying that? Because you may be shortchanged in this place and you've got issues and you've got problems. You've got things that are preventing you from seeing Jesus. I just need you to know that God will never leave you in a problem without planting a tree. God will never leave you in a problem without saying, I'm going to give you the capacity, the ability to climb higher. Did you know he will never put you in front of the Red Sea, Moses, without putting a staff in your hand? And he will never put you in front of Goliath, David, without putting a stone in your hand and a cause in your heart. And he will never put you in front of the walls of Jericho without giving you a shout. If he puts you in front of an adversary, in front of an enemy, if he puts you in a situation that seems overwhelming, you need to know that everything you need to accomplish that is in him. He's planted trees all around you. If he calls you higher, he's going to give you a tree to climb higher. I remember I was a youth pastor for, um, for half a decade, which is five years if you didn't know, but half a decade sounds way more official. <laughs> You're like, this guy knows what he's talking about. Half a decade? Whoa. <laughs> 
And uh, every year we would have this meeting with our denomination where we would talk about budgets and proposals and just riveting stuff. And, uh, and, and so we had this meeting one time where they had this PowerPoint presentation up on the screen, important information. And there was this guy standing in the very back of the sanctuary. Where was he standing? Remind me. Everyone, he, was in the, he was in the very back. And, uh, and he's in the back. They've got text on the screen. And uh, I was in South Mississippi. So he was like, I can't see that screen up there can't see it and I looked back at him and then I looked at the front row where there were about 15 empty chairs and then I looked back at him and I thought that seems to be a personal problem sir (laughs) how are you going to complain about not seeing Jesus I mean the screen when the solution to you seeing him is actually in you moving your feet the solution to you seeing him is actually in running. It's actually in climbing. And I think sometimes we're sitting back, we're frustrated. We're like, God, I can't see you. Where are you at in my life? And he's looking back at you. And then he's looking at the veil that he tore from top to bottom. And he's looking back at you. And he's looking at the cross where he shed his blood. He's looking back at you. And he's looking at the empty tomb and the stone that was rolled away and the healing that he has provided. And he's saying, son, daughter, I have made myself accessible to you. All you've got to do is seek me. I can't, I can't see that. He's, he's looking at you he's looking at the closed bible he's looking at you he's looking at the power of his word i want to tell you he has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness as the scripture says let me get really really serious for a moment this one time i was at cracker barrel and um shout out cracker barrel you know this is not a sponsored sermon but but I was eating at Cracker Barrel this one time, and I was looking around at their decor, and they have so many pictures there, so many. You could steal several paintings and pictures from Cracker Barrel, and they would never know. don't recommend it. I'm a pastor, but it's like, you could. And uh, I was just like, there's too many pictures at Cracker Barrel for my picture not to be up at Cracker Barrel. But I couldn't just throw up any old picture of myself because, like, when I get an idea, I just kind of, like, go with it, you know? And uh, you can't just throw up any old picture. It's got to match the vibe of the rest of the room. So, so I, um, yeah, there's this app that went kind of viral that it make you look like an old person. And so if I threw, yeah, so I took this picture. <laughs> like, we're getting closer, but we're not quite there. And so I was like, I got to make this a little bit better. So I, so I created this, put myself on this, um, I don't know, medic or something like that. And then on the next one, you can see that I put it in a frame. Because when I have this idea, I go for it. Those are my wife's nails and her pants, by the way. I wasn't wearing that. But. So you can take that down. So I, so, so I take this to Cracker Barrel, and I'm eating, and I am waiting for the opportune moment, the Kairos moment for, for this to happen. And I have this moment where there's no manager, there's no waitress, they're all gone. So I look to my right, I look to my left, I go up, and I find this high shelf, and I put it up there. And for six months... For six months at a Cracker Barrel in Mobile, Alabama, my picture (laughs) remained up. Some people are really enjoying this. Some people are like, where's the gospel? (laughs) 
getting to that. Here's where the story takes a really dark twist. You don't believe me. I shared this story with my youth ministry, and I had one of these students that just had to ruin it for me. Yeah, I know. And so this student went to that Cracker Barrel and told them that my picture was there, and they had to take it down. And I would never tell you this guy's name, but, but I couldn't stay mad at John Canan for long. <laughs> you want to know why? Because there are 659 other Cracker Barrels nationwide. I Googled it this morning. You can double check me. And I can't be mad at John Canan for taking away one option when there are 659 other options. I told that ridiculous, stupid story to communicate this principle to you as many times we run, we climb, we pursue, and it seems like it didn't work the first time. It seems like the door was shut the first time. And then instead, listen, you need to know there are about 659 other trees that are planted all around you. And God is saying, if you will climb, man, what is a tree? What are you talking about? Worship is a tree that you can climb to see him. His word is a tree that you can climb to see him. Community with fellow believers is a tree that you can climb to see him. And I think so many times what you and I do, and it's ironic, but what if the Bible would have said that Zacchaeus leaned up against the tree and complained about the fact that he couldn't see Jesus? That would have been ironic. But I think sometimes we're in a similar position where we're in the middle of worship thinking, well, I wish I could see Jesus. And Jesus is saying, climb. I'm in the middle of the word. I wish I could see Jesus. Wish I wasn't shortchanged. Wish I didn't have all these things going on in my life. And God is saying, and God sees you and God loves you. And God has deep compassion for your situation. But he also wants to see you made whole. He also wants to see you free. And I'm telling you that he will never leave you in a problem without planting a tree. Zacchaeus runs. And Zacchaeus climbs. At this point of the story, this is where Zacchaeus' story gets, gets really, really good. Because all we know about Zacchaeus at this point of the message is that he's a runner and he's a climber. He's short. And, uh, but we see something in the text where it says that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Now, if you don't know anything about tax collectors in this day, they, they were thieves, they were liars. They, they would cheat people out of money. So this was a messed up dude. He was taking money from, from people who needed it, and he had acquired his wealth through sin. And so we see two things in this text. We see Zacchaeus' name, and we see his sin. And it's interesting. It's seemingly contradictory because Zacchaeus' name, if I were to guess, and names in the Bible are important, they reveal God's intention for that person. They reveal God's blessing on that person or God's desire for that individual. In so, so I'm looking up Zacchaeus' name and I'm thinking it's going to mean fraud or trickster or sinner. Here's what Zacchaeus' name means. It means pure. So I'm seeing this seeming contradictory moment in the text where it's saying there is a pure man who was a fraud. There's a pure man who was a thief. There's a man whose name meant pure who was stealing 
from other people. And Zacchaeus doesn't know who Jesus is. He's, he's running, he's climbing. And I imagine that Zacchaeus, after a life of sin, is overwhelmed as he's pursuing Jesus. He's maybe thinking with shame in the back of his mind, maybe he's thinking, what is Jesus actually going to think of me when he sees me? What's he going to? What's he going to say about me? What's he, what's he going to call out about my life? Is he going to expose my sin? Is he angry at me? Is he going to call me out? Is he going to hurt me? Is he going to expose me in front of all of these people? What's Jesus going to call out? And Zacchaeus is running and he begins to climb. And I imagine that his heart is beating fast and his hands are sweating. And the Bible says in Luke that Jesus looked up and locks eyes with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is on oh no. He sees me. This is the moment. What's he going to say about me? What's he going to say to me? And this is the part of the story where you and I get to see who Jesus is. Is Jesus going to call out his sin? What is Jesus going to address to the crowd? His calling or his compromise? His identity or his issue? His short change or his God-given intention? What's Jesus going to talk about? And if I were to close the book, if I were to close the Bible, I would think, I would imagine that Jesus is about to expose Zacchaeus. He's going to call out his sin, right? Jesus is going to be in the corner of all the people that he stole. So Jesus is going to be like, hey, you need to give those people their money back. And everyone cheers, like hypes Jesus up on a crowd. Jesus, like they're pumped. They're excited. Like they're that. No. What's Jesus going to call out? And Jesus locks eyes with this man, knowing every secret, knowing every sin, knowing every problem, knowing every addiction, knowing every issue, knowing every hidden thing, knowing every amount of darkness. Did you know that you're Zacchaeus in this story? Knowing every problem that Zacchaeus had ever caused, knowing every person that he had ever caused harm to, Jesus looks up at this man and says, Zacchaeus, pure. Maybe you've heard it said before, but I think it'd be appropriate time to tell you that the enemy knows your name and calls you by your sin. Jesus knows your sin, but calls you by your name. And I'm telling you today that if you're overwhelmed with shame and condemnation and you're feeling heavy, what is Jesus going to say about me? You're talking about encountering this God, but I haven't been living right. So what would he say to me if he saw me? And I'm telling you that I know through this text that Jesus is looking at you and declaring over you pure, holy, righteous, spotless, cleansed, white as snow. How white is white as snow? How far is the east from the west? I'm telling you, the Bible says in Isaiah 54 that he'll never be angry with you or rebuke you. See, this story is not just a story of pursuit. It is a picture of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. What did Zacchaeus climb? He climbed a he climbed a tree. I want to show you a scripture because I think that this is a foreshadowing of the gospel. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. 
First Peter 2 says he bore himself in our, our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whom stripes we are healed. See, this, by, this story is a foreshadowing of the fact that Jesus one day would climb up onto a tree. He would climb up onto a cross, bear our sin, bear our condemnation, bear our pain, bear our brokenness. And the Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 16 that whosoever, who's God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so I'm telling you right now, it, it, it's saying that anyone who would climb, anyone who would trust in the structural integrity of the cross in the integrity of the word of God will not be blind I was blind but now I see I was blind I couldn't see over the crowd but but now I see him Jesus has made a way for you to encounter him 